I'm Luka Doncic and this is Lockdown Mavericks Podcast. Don't believe you shouldn't be here. Oh, welcome to Locked On Mavs. This is one of your co-hosts, Isaac Harris, contributor to Mavs.com. Joined by another Mavs.com guy, Mr. PR guy himself, Bobby Kerala. Let's go. Thank you for having me, Isaac, and for that wonderful introduction. I am so excited to be here with you today. No, I, I'm excited to uh, yeah to be joined by Bobby. Today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. 2.6 carbs, 95 calories. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Moment segment coming up later in the episode. So I'm going to chat with Bobby today. First off, thanks for joining me after a heart-wrenching Game 7 loss. I guess it was heart-wrenching. I guess the series loss was Game 7 was not really in doubt down the stretch so it's more of just kind of like this is just a bummer you know yeah how are you this this podcast is coming out on friday how are you feeling now that happened on sunday still the same week just do you have different feelings inside of you right now i know the fan base is really anxious right now there's a lot of feelings going on with the mavs fans how are you feeling what five days removed from a game seven loss no, I think like the the sting and the disappointment of losing has probably subsided within me, maybe more than it has other people. Um, but then again, my kind of my whole bit is like trying to take the thirty thousand feet view all the time, yeah. Because it is a really long season, especially this year. Like, holy cow! I mean, was it seventy two games plus seven playoff games in like four and a half months? It was just, I mean, it was just wild. So, um, you know, kind of happy it's over, but obviously the way it ended sucked pretty bad. But you know, I think um, I keep coming back to this, like the more and more I think about the series. And I'm curious to hear if you feel kind of the same way, too, because we're on sort of the same wavelength with some of this stuff, but different in other ways. But like, I didn't really feel like we learned necessarily too much about the Mavs in that series, mm-hmm. um, the way they lost the series and the way that they were ahead in the series. Like all of that stuff we saw play out over the course of this season and even last year a little bit. Um, so it really just kind of confirmed like Luca is incredible. Um, when the supporting cast is clicking, the Mavs are pretty much invincible. And when the supporting cl- cast isn't clicking, they don't have really enough defense to kind of overcome a bad shooting night. So um, kind of that whole, that whole thing played out over the course of seven games against a team that's probably a little better than the Mavs. So, I mean, I don't view it as like a, like a, you know, a series that they shouldn't have lost. But given that they were up 2-0 and kind of like 2.25 to 0, um, you know, they should have come out with the with the series win, but you know, kind of is what it is, man. It's just a just a bummer, and it's on to the next thing. And I mean, they got they clearly have a long way to go if they want to, you know, keep playing into June next year. So something we've been talking about on this pod is like, do you factor in the fact that they've played the Clippers the past two years? So all of Luca's playoff experience against this Clippers team against Kawhi, Paul George, and these guys. Do you factor in anything, any opinions about the role players or the team or the team ceiling or anything? Or like, can I guess the better question is, can you do that when you've only played one opponent? Because we've played like the what if and like, man, how would people be viewing the the like role players right now if they played any other team in the West? If they played Denver and beat Denver in the first round, you're like, okay, that, wow. But the fact that they played the same team both years and now can can you take 
big opinions about this team and roster when you've only played one team who is like a really like good team? That's a good question. Because the Clippers were kind of like multiple teams within the same series. Mm. Like Dallas clearly outplayed them whenever they were like the big bad Clippers like they were last year. You know, when Zubats was on the floor last year, he was a nightmare. This year, the Mavs basically, Luka played him out of the series altogether. The, the Clippers team that gave Dallas a lot of trouble in this series is not one that we saw them play last year, which is super small. Two, three guards on the floor, you know, Marcus Morris or Nick Batum at center. Yeah. And Kawhi basically playing like power forward almost. Uh, I think even sometimes he was center. Like they, they went really, really small. And, you know, that that version of the Clippers is not going to be easily, easily kind of uh, replicated by a lot of other teams. Like, for example, Utah, Denver, they're never going to play that small because their centers are arguably their best players. So I guess in some ways, the fact that they struggled against the Clippers, um, it is kind of tough to sort of, take that series and translate it over to other opponents because even like the Suns, for example they play eight and like there's a lot of big teams in the west the lakers with ad and drummond if he's gonna be on the floor or whatever so um you know i think that it is kind of like a special case but at the same time typically the further you go into the playoffs and especially once you get into the finals it is a small series for like the entire you know, final round. I mean, yeah. like the the Cavs were bigger than the Warriors whenever they were meeting in the finals all the time because Kevin Love was their center and he's what like six ten, and he was like skinny Kevin Love at that point. You know, much more of a shooter, um, not a banger at all. And so I guess like in some ways it is sort of a really specific case where it's like, yeah, I mean, you know, Kawhi is really good, Paul George is really good. They played small, but on the other hand, if you can't beat a really good team when they're playing small in the first round, you're not going to be able to do it in the finals. So. Uh, they were better than the Clippers in many ways, but they weren't better than the small ball Clippers. And I think that's the area where they have to kind of key in on to improve uh, in the offseason. Just find more wings, find more guards who can play against those guys. Yeah, that, we we were both just watching uh, the Bruce Brown show at the end of the uh, Nets uh, Bucks game. And the I wild just, ride, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I just keep on waiting for Milwaukee to bench Brooke Lopez and I'm like, all right, but you know, do they have enough guys? Do they have other wings on the floor? But okay, back to the Mavericks. Bigger question. Do you consider this season a success? I think it was with you, Isaac. Can I, can I talk about a different podcast or is that like a, Oh no, please do. Okay. So I'm pretty sure it was a Mavs daily with you and me yeah. way back in December, late November or whatever. We were like, what, Six months from now, what will we consider a success? And it was, for me, a top six seed pushing for home court and then either winning, preferably winning a first-round series or at least, like, losing the first round in seven games. That's, like, word for word what I said. <laughs> now, all of that said, I don't know if you could consider what we just saw a success because they were up 2-0, big lead in game three, um, sizable lead in the second half of game six at home when you're up 3-2, yeah. And then, you know, in the, the the way that they finished with the top six seed was uh, it was a little uncomfortable, you know, uh, stumbling against some some below 500 teams and all that stuff. So I don't know. I mean, like on the whole, I think that the team would consider it a failure because they lost a series. But overall, I mean, it is kind of tough to say, like, yeah, losing in round one is a disappointment whenever you're losing to the Clippers, who are probably the second or third best team in the conference right now. So. It is kind of tough, but I mean, I think like 
they played really well against the good teams and they did not play nearly as good or nearly good enough against the bad teams. So in some ways it was a, a resounding success. Yeah. In other ways, it was kind of a, a bummer. Uh, so I, I don't really know. I don't know how to feel. What do you think? That That's where I stood. I kind of landed if there's an in-between ground because I listened to Rick Carlisle's interview on the ticket uh, back, I guess a couple days ago, maybe Wednesday. And he was asked the same question and he kind of took the same route of like, you know, considering everything that we went through this season. Yeah. There was a lot of successes in that. And that's where it's like the fact that they didn't lose a first round or they didn't win a first round series and they were up in like that fashion. I can't say is I, I just can't say inside of me, this was a successful season after that finish in that series. But it's not a complete failure too because of look where they got because of all the things that they went through this season of the COVID stuff. And I mean, the snowstorm doesn't even get like talked about as far as like Dallas stuff. That just threw things off. And there was just so much stuff. It was such a weird season for Dallas that for them to overcome that and you like zoom out and say, man, they finished fifth in the West. They took the Clippers the seven games. Like, you know, KP's health stuff at the beginning and, you know, kind of towards the end a little bit. All of that, you know, factoring on all that, it's like, but I still I still don't want to say it's, it was a success. So somewhere in between, I guess. I mean, I guess like most crucially, Luka took a step forward as a player, yeah. mid-range game, uh, more consistent three-point shooter. And that's really important because like, whatever. If a, few, if a couple more guys had career years, maybe they win one or two extra games and maybe they'd still get bounced in the first round. But like, Armed with the information that they have now about Luca, and it, and it is real. This is really important to say. Like, this is year three of Luca, and even after his rookie season, they didn't really know like what he was, and they hadn't seen Luca with KP. There was so much still up in the air. This is really only year two of Luca, the alpha on a good team, and so now that they know kind of more about the player that he is, uh, what he's become, the holes in his game that are still there. And now that they have more data about what guys perform well with him and stuff, like seeing his growth is way more important than anything else because now they know like, all right, X works, Y doesn't, A works, B doesn't. Now we can go like all in on this one crucial component of the roster or whatever uh, to kind of maximize Luca and for Luca to maximize them. So I guess like in that sense, if you really are only as good as your best player in a playoff series, sometimes you are, sometimes you're not. Um then it was a big step forward. But in other ways, it was a step back. You know, Luka KP was was not as dynamic down the stretch. So it's like, I don't know. I could kind of go like six, one, half dozen of the other. It's it's very confusing. All right, guys. Coming up after the break, I'm going to ask Bobby real quick about Jamal Mosley and uh, potential Woj tweeting out about him being uh, maybe a candidate in Boston and Bobby being a guy who can speak into why Jamal Mosley is always thrown into some of these reports about going to be a, a candidate somewhere we both are huge fans of of mosley so i want to hear bobby uh express uh yeah his take on mosley and then we're going to play a game called fill in the blank with bobby over the last two segments but this podcast brought to you by ultra moment of the week something this week okay if we look at the past six seven days six or seven days not 67 what would be the biggest moment of the week? This could be playoffs or it could be Mavs, but we're really just thinking about game seven if it's the Mavericks. But we could say a playoff moment. I'm just going to stick with the Mavs and say game seven, Luka Doncic first quarter. Specifically, the meme that he provided for us, laying on the floor, yeah. looking at the camera in a game seven. 
I just I love that moment. That's a good one. That is a good one. Um, I think my moment of the week, if if it's on court only, so like Kevin Charrington replies don't count. My moment of the week would be the final possession and really the final couple minutes, but the final possession of Nets Bucks, dude. Like I know it's recency oh, yeah. bias, but like if Bruce Brown makes any of those shots down the stretch, the Nets might sweep the Bucks, and that like really kind of shifts the balance of power like in the entire NBA because the Bucks would like they would need to do something. So yeah. we'll see how that series ends. But I mean that was like huge and also it was wild and uh it's you know it was just a big calamity. So I that, that's my moment of the week. I was thinking Bruce Brown maybe uh there could be like a story written about him saying that you know he he's hogging the ball too much. He maybe kind of bringing down his role players. He needs to get the role players involved. But this was a brand new segment brought to you by our partners at Michelob Ultra. Biggest moments from the playoffs or the season. Uh, go check out tons of other exciting ultra moments with a hashtag ultra moment. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. Enjoyment isn't the end game. It's the whole game. Okay, Bobby, real quick. Jamal Mosley, he's been assistant in Dallas for, gosh, handful of years now. I don't even know the exact number of years. 14, 2015, something like that. Let's go. Well, we both love him. His name gets brought up a lot when... Uh, teams across the league are looking for candidates. He's always in that list. More recently, Woj reported that a uh, big list of candidates for the Boston Celtics. His name was mentioned in that. So I'm just going to open in a question. Why Why do the Mavericks love Jamal Mosley so much? Why do the players love him so much? And why would he be a great candidate taking away our selfish, like, hey, we don't want him to leave Dallas because we love him here. Why would he be a great candidate elsewhere? A uh, very good motivator of people. Young players like him, old players like him, and most importantly, players respect him. So mm. uh, Moses is still like younger relative to a lot of coaches, uh, but he's not like you know Brad Stevens was when he first took over for Boston. I mean, he's been around the block a little bit. He was, if I'm not mistaken, he coached Mello um, in Denver. I think Chauncey Billups might have been there at the same time too. I think that timeline adds up. Um, he was in Cleveland, I think, when LeBron was there, uh, and now he's with Luca. And so like he's been with great players. They like him. You watch after a game, you know, back before COVID when people could yeah. like high five and stuff. Everybody on the other team comes up to Mosley to, to say, hey, I mean, like every player likes him, uh, respects him. The guys play hard for him. And then also, too, I mean, he'll like get on the court and, you know, play one on one with guys, get them to score on him and stuff. And so like from a from a personal relationship standpoint, uh, he's very good at developing those kind of bonds with his players um that's gonna make you like the guy play hard for the guy um tactically he's good you know he's been in charge of the Mavs defense I know the Mavs defense hasn't been like you know top five in the NBA or whatever but they've played a lot of different ways over the years um with you know in the Dirk years they played one way now they play a different way last year they played different than they did this year like they're very flexible and adaptable uh, in that regard and also that's of course with different personnel than they would have in a place like Boston for example so um you know I think Guys liking him as a human and then respecting him as a coach is a very rare combination. A lot of times you'll hear like he's a player's coach, so that means like he's just a, a cool dude, like he's yeah. their pal. Um, but Jamal Mosley still respect uh, commands respect too, so that's something he's got going for him as well. And as a rookie head coach, um, you know I'm sure he's got a lot of ideas, things that he would do his own way. But he's also spent a very long time under Rick Carlisle, uh, who obviously is you know a, a incredible tactician as well so he can take some of the things he's learned from rick some of the things from other coaches he's worked for in his career 
uh, and then combine that and sort of blend it with his own ideas. And that makes him, I think, a very attractive candidate. And also just as an interview guy, he's great to talk to. So I'm sure in interviews, he probably knocks everybody's socks off in there because he's such a cool dude. So um, kind of a, a very well-rounded candidate. And you figured it was really only a matter of time before he actually gets a job here pretty soon. Yeah. And, you know, I think he uh, helped out with Team USA back last year or a couple years ago. And yeah, I did in the World Cup, right? He was out there. Yeah. 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 And, and Bobby noticing or, you know, pointing out that, I mean, away team players just they flock to him after the games, before games. Like you always see guys, you know, I just saw Paul George after game seven, you know, dabbing him up, talking with him and everything. So players respect him and everything. So I wish the best for him selfishly if he stays in dallas i'm super happy but if he goes and gets a head coaching job he deserves it all right let's play a game fill in the blank with bobby this first one criticism of luka Doncic right now is blank this is i'll set the table a little bit i've seen some fans i've seen some national media i've seen some local i've seen a bunch of stuff around that right now that after game seven everyone's just looking for something to blame right where they're looking for some type of reason from top down to the bottom from you know everything but one of the smaller i say smaller stories i mean i've just been dismissing it but this criticism of luca right now that maybe he holds the ball too much he's a ball hog he is james harden he is all that Criticism of Luka Doncic right now is what? Irrelevant. Mm, I like it. People that people that say that they they don't know what they're talking about. And I know that a lot of fans are kind of um, upset, up in arms, outraged at the thing that Donnie said the other day, which was like, if you really think that Donnie Nelson, the guy who like fans complain about every year for saying we like the boys in blue. You think the first player on his team he would ever complain about is Luca? Like you're insane. So like all of this stuff is just so worthless because the people saying it are either reading too far into something that isn't there or they don't know what they're talking about. And I think you know who I'm talking about when I say they don't know what they're talking about. So yeah, yeah I would just say it's irrelevant because it's it's a non. It doesn't matter. Yeah, I was irrelevant's a great word. I think I would go with laughable. Uh, right now, just if we're <laughs> if we're ranking all of the different reasons why Dallas did not win that series, um, I think Luka Doncic having the ball, quote air quote, too much is um, not a a top twenty reason of why they lost that series. There's a lot of other things uh, that play into that. So, yeah, I think I, I agree with you. It's irrelevant. It's laughable. Let's not entertain that narrative. Something real quick, though. I know you guys like to keep the pod under 30 minutes, so I'll make this quick. But um, it is their plan for him to not have a 40% usage rate for the rest of his career. So, like, ready or not, here they come. Now it's upon them to kind of, you know, implement system yeah. that will enable them to do that, get some players that will help them and all that stuff. But, like, that's their plan. They don't want Luca to have to do this every year for the next 20 years or whatever. I mean, this that's, you know, this is extreme. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, honestly, if he didn't do it, they wouldn't even go seven games. So, I mean, you yeah, he had to in that series. He had and to yeah. most of the season, but that's not what they want. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Next one. The biggest need for the Mavericks this offseason is blank. Ball stopping defense on the perimeter. So whether that means a quicker guard to guard guys like Dame or like a thicker wing to guard a guy like Kawhi, 
They just need more guys on the perimeter that won't get beat one-on-one in one or two dribbles. You know, got to protect the back line a little more. The best way to do that is for the front line to be a little, uh, a little sturdier. Yeah. Where do you, where do you stand on? I think I would answer this question as, and tell me why I'm wrong in this. A secondary creator. Is that, it, should that be a focus this off season? Or is that just a talking point that you're like, Hey, that's not a, like that's not that big of a deal. If it's going to be a guy that's going to share the the floor with Luca a lot, I would rather have a defender over a secondary. Like if if the guy can handle the ball but he can't guard anybody, yeah, I'll take the guy that can guard someone but can't handle the ball. Okay, you know yeah. what I mean? Um, yeah. They just need they need more guys. Like you're going to have to beat Kawhi at some point. You need some players that can do it. You know, and maybe better maxi health. Maybe Dorian adding five pounds will help there. But like getting another guy in there could be good. It makes it tougher to create switches and stuff in the postseason. So I think that's the bigger need. But a guy that can handle the ball, especially even if it's off the bench, they can share the floor with Luka for 10, 15 minutes a game, kind of Brunson style. Um, that would help a lot as well, for sure. Yeah, I just I remember different sets this season to where Luka and Brunson were playing together and seeing some of these – yeah, some of these possessions in which Brunson would take and he would go score and, you know, it didn't happen a lot in the playoffs. That's something I think is a, a storyline question for the Mavericks moving forward that the fact that Brunson didn't really play too much in those last few games, he even said in his extra interview and asked about it, he said, I'm going to think about that all summer. And he's going to use that as motivation why he didn't have a huge role in those last two games. But I, I would love to see another creator next to Luca. But okay. Before we do this last segment and we rapid fire through some uh, fill in the blanks for Bobby, let's take a real quick break real quick. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season. Bobby, you into baseball? Are you a Rangers guy or no? I have been in the past. (laughs) Baseball season's in full swing. You can track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news and odds for all your sporting news and needs. MLB, NBA, NHL, UFC, MMA. Let's do it. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Head to the website or use the mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Your promo code is locked on. If you want 50% off welcome bonus, type in locked on for your promo code. This podcast You're a big is MMA fun. fan, Isaac? I used to I used to like it back in the day and just hanging out with the guys, all pitch in, buy the fight, get hyped about it. Now I'm just, I don't know. I, I just, I want to get into boxing, but I just can't. And I don't know if it's just a timing thing or just don't have the time to invest. It's in so late, sport. 11 p.m. on a weekend. I know. It used to if, be prime time. Now it's like prime time to go to sleep. If I had any other extra time, it would go to European soccer, which you I've tried talking to you about. You're a huge fan and you keep up with it. And I'm like, I want to be like Bobby with that, but I just... It's hard for me to keep up. Chelsea won it all. And that was the team I tried to like latch on to a couple years ago, but I can't even, I joke that I try to claim that title, but I can't claim it because I don't. They got a good young squad, man. They got Captain America. Like if you want to root for Chelsea, it's a good time to root for Chelsea. But then I like Tammy Abraham. He didn't even play. Yeah, that's true. But they got a bunch of other studs on that team. Yeah. So anyway, this podcast also brought to you by our good friends, probably our longest running sponsor of the show, Built Bar. 
Bill Bar just sent us some, uh, they send us new bars all the time to try out, to talk about on this podcast. They just sent us a brand new flavor the other day, grasshopper brownie or grasshopper chunks. Um, it threw us off because I didn't know that grasshopper was like a cookie flavor. Uh, like, okay, so it's not the actual. It's not. Yeah, I thought it was, but Focus. it's okay. not. It, and actually, it wasn't that bad. We tried them uh, live on the podcast, and we have funny reactions to it. But they have a lot of different flavors: coconut, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry. You name it, it's there. 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories, four grams of sugar, and only four grams of net carbs. If you're doing keto, I did keto a lot last year. This was a lifesaver when it came to breakfast. So the offer is BillBar.com. Use promo code LOCKEDON15. You'll get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BillBar.com. Let's continue on. Fill in the blank. We'll go a little bit past 30 minutes today because I want to get some fill in the blank answers from Bobby. The Mavs role players are blank. And I will tell you my answer first just to give you a sense of where I was going with this. Okay. Just, just fine. And I've I've been on this thing over the past few weeks, really months, that I love the Mavericks role players. I just think sometimes that they do expect they're for me, I think the issue at, at some points have been spot two and three on the roster. The the production outside of Luca when it comes into like a top if we always try to do like a top three players on a team or a top two players on a team. I love the guys of Maxi and Brunson and Dory and some of these guys. I love those guys. But I do think they've been elevated at times and expected too much from them. So as far as when I look at some of these really good teams in a playoffs, I'm like, man, I think Dorian can play on some really good teams. I think Maxi can play on some really good teams. Or Brunson, if we had more of a, a better, more production, a healthier KP or whoever it is at spot two and three on the roster. So I answer and say the Mavs role players are just fine. I'm not sitting there saying, man, they got to switch out all the role players, blah, blah, blah. I'm not in that camp. So Question for Bobby, the Mavs role players are? Just a little too inconsistent. You mm. know, game to game. Um, we saw that in the Clippers series. First two games, dude, no one missed a shot. Next five games, a lot of this, you know, a lot of sine waves. Um, but, you know, you look around the league, like I I, I think like the – maybe <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to think of like the perfect supporting cast – maybe the first year the Warriors won the championship or something like there was like no weak spots. Yeah. But I mean, even tonight we just talked about Bruce Brown. Like, could you imagine if Bruce Brown was Dorian tonight, missed a few shots at the rim, including the layup on the last possession, like people would be like, he sucks. Get him out of here. But it's just like, he's a role player, yeah. <laughs> you know, but, and the reason that role players are role players is because they're just a little too inconsistent. But if the Mavs, you know, just a little better, little better, uh, off the dribble, little better shooting, little better defensively, then they would be pretty ideal. So it's just, you know, I, I guess I'm kind of with you there. Like, you get one more guy in here, then you're rock solid. But in the meantime, it's like just a little, just a, just a little, a little yeah. more, a little more. A little too inconsistent. Stand on the role players. The role player to make the biggest leap this offseason. If we just take the role players with currently on the roster right now, what role player do you think will make the biggest leap? Um, man, I mean, I hope it's Jalen Brunson again. Like, I hope yeah. he can make another leap for him. It would be defensively because he's really, I mean, he can, he can play on offense, you know, especially if he's out there with Luca, but yeah. defensively he and Luca together are tough. Whenever you're trying to close a game, especially if you're protecting the lead, you need to get stops and stuff. So if he can make a big leap, then that's great. 
The guy that I think will make the biggest leap is Maxi, simply by virtue of him being healthy. Uh, he'll be much closer to the player he was. I mean, he was a great shooter this year, but much closer to the defender, kind of the, the rim roller and the presence around the basket uh, as he was two years ago than, than this year. I think just having a better back, better knee or whatever is going on, his Achilles, all that stuff. Yeah. Next one. Actually, well, actually, I want to answer this. I'm hoping that it's Josh Green. I'm hoping. Yeah, that's a, that, that's a good one. That would be huge. That that's a good he, one. If he came in, which him in his exit interview, credit to him, he, he was asked about a shot. And because that was a question mark this year, obviously, whenever he did get time. And he's like, I'm not worried about my shot. I shot the ball fine in college. I shot it fine in high school. The shot will come around. And if he steps in, goes into training camp, and it would be huge for this team if he – show that he could play a Dorian type of role, like make that type of, hey, I'm, I prove that I can be in the rotation type of guy and show Rick Carlisle that he can. So I'm hoping that of Josh Green. There's 15, 20 minutes to be had easily, if not yeah. more, on this team. Yeah. Um, the difference between this offseason and the previous two offseasons is? Known quantity in Luka for sure compared to two years ago. And then, you know, they're, they're going to have a lot more flexibility this year than last year. Um, and I don't mean that in like a get your hopes up for an all-star kind of way. I just mean last year they had the mid-level exception and that was it. You know, this year they could create cap space. They could go over the cap. They could retain guys. If guy opts in like Josh Richardson. That changes things if he opts out, you know, comparatively. Um, you know, they just have a lot more options, even despite not having the picks that they did last year. Um, could go a number of different ways. And I, I think that they just, with more flexibility, gives you more chances to do something. Whereas last year it was like, yeah, if they could maybe make one trade or maybe give a guy an MLE, that's yeah. their offseason. So I think like better Luca and more options. Yeah, I think flexibility was the word I landed on. And, you know, there's so much stuff when you see cap space numbers. And it's like, okay, well, that's not just free agent. I mean, how many teams use cap space for trades and lopsided trades as far as like you know salary wise and there's just there's a lot of flexibility going into this offseason they're probably not going to have any space dude like i i know that it's been like marketed as max cap space and stuff for a long time but like if you keep tim that's it yeah well even like you know somebody tweeted the other day was like hey what's what's tim hardaway like cap you know cap hold it's like all right well if they wait you know whatever i mean it's like 28 30 million the cap hold for him so you know that that's a huge that's a huge chunk of your cap space right there. You know, obviously you get him signed that that will go down a little bit, but either way, yeah, that's a that's a good point that a lot of people are just viewing that as one big number, but it's like, hey, that that could go pretty quick. But okay, last one for you: the playoffs this year taught you blank, and this could be the Mavericks playoffs as far as that series, which you kind of talked about this earlier, but. This also could mean anything with the entire playoffs. If there's something that you've seen over the first, you know, what, two rounds, we're in the second round now that you're like, okay, this is a trend. This is something that has taught you that maybe relates back to the Mavericks, whether it's bigger lineups, smaller lineups, got to go bigger with roster stuff. You got to have a certain type of thing. Is there been anything that has taught you something in these playoffs? Got to have wings. I mean, I guess it didn't, I already knew that. I already thought yeah. that. I'm not trying to flex or whatever, but like, it reinforced that to me, I guess. Like, you can bully people, but they can run you off the floor, and it won't matter if you can bully them. You got to have wings. Like, the Clippers added Nick Batum. Dude, 
if he wasn't on their team, the Mavs like probably sweep LA. Yeah. But they have this six eight guy with seven two wingspan, and it totally changes their whole complexion of the series. You know, whenever he goes in the starting lineup, so you need as many wings as possible, um, and you know the rest will take care of itself. I know. I see. I see the Nick Batum's. I see Blake Griffin. I see, you know, these like older vets that you're like, oh, these guys are washed. Like a lot of people thought they were washed. And now we're seeing them play some like big time roles on these really good teams. Now you got to be a, like a title, you know, aspiring team to be able to land somebody to get Blake Griffin to give up $13 million. Located near an ocean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I am curious of just the veteran side of the Mavericks moving forward that will we see this roster start start to shape up with like vets like in their 30s or playoff experience I'm I'm really curious to see yeah how that plays out on that front but yeah they have experience together but now it's time to get guys that have a lot of experience in other places you know to kind of relay that message yeah Bobby Mavs vault tell me about that plug it where can how do we have a set schedule on Mavs Vault or is it sporadic over the offseason? Uh, it's once a week. We try and do it every Wednesday, but depending on guests and, you know, earlier whenever we were playing games, sometimes we have a game on Wednesday. Uh, but Mavs Vault is a weekly show on our Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash Dallas Mavericks. Uh, Isaac, you come on for some postgame stuff every now and then. We got some other plans we're doing later this summer around the draft and free agency and all that stuff. We're going to be rolling out some new shows. Uh, probably heading into next season, maybe toward the end of the off season. So Twitch channel is going to be lit, man. It's it's going to be a lot of fun, and it's been fun having you on there as well. Hopefully listeners have uh, have seen you on there a couple times too. It's been super fun. I know they have a ton of really fun stuff uh, in store for that. It's been really cool to see all the stuff you can pull off on your Twitch channel. That's been all the stuff, you can, all the plays, all this random fun stuff. So Make sure you are on Twitch. You have it on notifications. That's been key for me. I didn't have it on notifications uh, at the beginning, but now I do to when they go live, bam, it pops up. But obviously, if you're a Mavs fan, you've been following Bobby before everything since the beginning of time. So you're already following Bobby on Twitter. If not, follow Bobby on Twitter, Bobby Corrala. There's no letter in between that, right? Or at the end? Nope, just Bobby Corrala. No spaces, no underscores. No capital letters, nothing. <laughs> and if you've never had the crispy tacos at Chipotle, you dude, <laughs> that's right. Bobby got me on the crispy tacos before uh, maybe one of the playoff games. I get no, I, I think it was one of the last regular season games. Yeah, it, yeah, it was. It was like maybe the last regular season game. It was. It was right at the finish line, dude. It right was. We got Chipotle before the game, close to the arena. He's like, "Have you ever had the crispy tacos?" I'm like. No, it's like, man, it's going to change your life. And it did. So when you get this podcast brought to you by Chipotle, enter Bobby 20 <laughs> and you get 20% off your Chipotle. <laughs> but seriously, try the crispy tacos. Bobby, I got to give my guy, Mike Marshall credit for that. He put me on it originally, but we're just, we're spreading the good word, man. Okay. And make sure you get a fork too, because sometimes it gets a little messy with the tacos. Also, you had a, a great piece of pie this week. Where did you have a great piece of pie? I did. Yeah, I went to uh, Drake's Hollywood in Dallas. It's on like Lovers and whatever. Lovers and something. I don't know. Cool place. Pretty swanky. It's kind of like old school Hollywood kind of thing. Peanut butter pie for dessert. Oh, got like chocolate cookie crust, peanut butter, sort of like mousse almost in the middle and then whipped cream on top. And the top of the whipped cream is like brulee kind of. So it's a little like 
okay. little sort of uh, oh my god, dude, it was very nice. It was very, very, very good. Very Drake, good. Drake's Hollywood. I've never been there. Drake's Hollywood. It's a whole. It's a whole thing. Uh, in my old well, can we talk about uh, old fashions on here? Yeah. They put espresso beans in my old fashioned. It was, uh, it was so good. Wow, I've never heard yeah. of that. Espresso beans. Espresso beans. It was so nice. <laughs> it was really good. Okay, Bobby, thank you so much for joining me. Let's do it again. I'm sure we'll be uh, partying on Mavs Daily or on Twitch sometime over the summer. Thank you again. Yeah, definitely, man. Thank you for having me anytime.